Okay, I'm way past due here on my diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Let me log in. Okay. A train leaves Albuquerque. Is there anything you're going? Winds west by northwest, 30 miles an hour. What time will it reach San Antonio? Um, let's say 9.30. Failed. You have unconscious bias you need to work on. Oh, man. Well, you were talking about equality. Yes. So there's a qual there's there's equality based on on many things, but specifically, let's start with gender. Okay. So here's the thing, Michelle, I would argue, I'm just talking. Okay. And so <laughs> okay. I that equality is not what people want. And so if the inequality in this situation feels to be tilted towards the men, okay, which I think depending on your frame of reference and on many or most frames of reference, that's arguably true. Right. And I'm taking a very analytical perspective on this. Then what was the example you just used? If you punch a male in the face, then that male can punch you back in the face. And that's that's equality. Yeah, that's 50 50. I'm taking that's it 50. to an extremity just to, show just to prove the point. But for yeah. this context, for the, sake of, for the sake of taking it to an extreme so that the point is very clear. Yeah. Right. Also. Male and female is how we procreate, largely. M most of the population does so organically, and it's, there's still a male and female aspect when it's done through medical avenues, okay? But talking about the social spectrum of finding a mate and not taking into consideration, just to put some guardrails around this, not taking into consideration same-sex couples or anything, like that yet that that selection of a sexual partner is a female thing females determine what male they're going to procreate with generally speaking so if that if we have equality and you can theoretically as a single woman sleep with whoever you want then so can i so if I say, so, so, so then you're, you're not being equal. If I say, I want to sleep with you and you don't let me. You follow where I'm going with this? Yeah, but go deeper. With that example, I know because I was just listening to you for 45 minutes on this conversation before I, yeah. so go a little deeper because I don't think we gave any context. <laughs> I know. So, so I'm like, ah, oh, welcome to TMI. <laughs> right. I know. I well, think you could go a little deeper. This is like when you watch that a TV show and like there's a really intense first 15 minutes and then the the name of the show appears on the screen and the credits yeah. start, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is literally what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> or you like somebody sits down and they're like, did I miss anything? You're like, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, equal, because we're talking about equality, which is a buzzword. It's a hot topic. 
Yeah. Okay. For a lot of reasons, Roe v. Wade. I mean, all the stuff with uh, all of the things, just all of the things, all of it, all of it, all of it. So we're not doing, in my opinion, good enough job of articulating what we mean. And there's a great diagram. I'll, I'll see if I can put it in the um, description of this episode of equality versus equity. And it's this picture of two kids climbing up a ladder and trying to pick apples off of a tree. Have you ever seen this, Michelle? I think I know where you're going with this, yeah. And so the, the apple tree is gro has grown in such a way where on the left side of the tree, the, the branches start higher than they do on the right side of the tree. So it shows quality and it shows two people on either side of the tree with the same size ladder. And the one on the right can reach the apple and the one on the left can't. And then it shows equity and it shows the person where the, on the side where the branches are higher, having a slightly higher ladder so that they're the same arms reach away from the apples, right? And I love that diagram because it, in my mind, it's the first step in the direction that we need to take and need to keep going in of what we mean when we say equality, because 50-50 should not be what we mean, number one, just across the board, that mm -hmm. that's not what we should mean that everyone is the same. That's not what we should, that's the bad idea. Lots of, lots of things in history have shown that they're really bad idea. So the other thing is there's a level of complexity to things. And that's what's demonstrated in that diagram is if you didn't have or don't have the resources that someone else has by accident of birth, right? There's mm -hmm. just circumstances surrounding what you were born into. Then mm -hmm. there's, unfortunately, there's going to have to be some kind of negotiation and understanding reached for each of those things, mm -hmm. right? So to add one more layer on top of this, now that we know that, having a conversation about we need gender equality, we need racial equality are not only not helping, they're detrimental now because we know that that's a meaningless statement when, when we don't have the context. We need to be able to articulate, well, well where and in, in what circumstances and at what, at what cost and what's too much of a cost and to whom. Right. These are all things that these, this conversation has been going on for a long time. And I think maybe in some small focused circles, they're having discussions like we're talking about, but, but largely it just socially interacting with the guy next to you at the restaurant or something, that this isn't be, well, how it's being discussed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's problematic and I think it's going to take time. Unfortunately, complex things like this take time and, and it, it, you have to try things and accept that they might not work. Mm -hmm. The way because of unforeseen things because we haven't tried them before, but that's how you make progress. That's how you grow, right? Right. Let me stop there. What do you think? <laughs> I, as I, you can tell, like I think about this on a really high level. Yeah. No, I know, and I'm like, okay, how can I try to 
summarize all of that with it. So anybody who can't reach the fucking 12th dimensions of uh, consciousness, basically, it's not about equal. It's about right. Yes. Yeah. Like bringing each situation, each individual, and taking all of those needs and it being all-encompassing for that individual. Yes. And and exclusivity is practiced in in an acceptable way in our society everywhere. And and an example of that would be having a boyfriend or girlfriend or getting married. Well, you are, that is the ultimate exclusion. You are saying only this person for reasons that only I care to share or not share mm-hmm. going to be my partner. Everyone else is excluded. Yeah. So you you can't make a blanket statement that exclusion is bad. Yep, of course. Right. And again, it goes back to the fucking labels, right? Isn't it just the definitions of twisted that we're applying this to rather than what we are talking about? The definition of equality has been 50-50 when that's not what it should be. Equality to me is treating that person as what their needs are and honoring that, even if we don't understand that and not needing to make them wrong in order for us to be right. Yep. So, but it was interesting how we got onto the equality is kind of like the way that in our lives that we're seeing with our clients, what you're not seeing that we were talking about offline is we were seeing a lot of patterns, repetitive things happening within our environments uh, in regards to clients, let's say. I obviously have to be vague because I want to keep people's identities and privacy and their subjects, um, you know, confidential. So it may be a little vague. I'm hoping I can get some points across though. So there's been this pattern that since there's so much separation within the collective, there's been this repeating pattern in people's lives of things needing to be equal or divvied up because everyone's had it and everyone is just trying to find stability and people are trying to find stability and like divvying out within the households and or workloads or dynamics of connection. It needs to be equal or you're not doing it. It's almost like. Trying to find new ground has become this collective, massive fighting of equality. And it goes so much beyond just the big things we were talking about. It goes into people's households. It could be like, well, I put the laundry in. You have to switch it because that will be 50-50. And you carry it to the bedroom and I will fold it. But then you pick it up and then you have to hang it up. You see what I'm saying? Being so back down to like almost like robotic type tasks getting done that this equality has equipped is now showing itself within very sacred dynamics of relationships that's yeah. how bad the collective is holding this well this isn't fair it's not 50 50 justice is not 50 50 fairness is not 50 50 freedom is not 50 50 i don't know why we have these mathematical equations into this for balance but that's not what we're talking about it's going into the duality of wherever your rigidness is and finding where you can find the balance within your own life rather than trying to find the balance with external tasks and relationships or dynamics. And it parallels exactly what we're talking about. That's like, if if I'm good at, I don't know, this is going to be a stupid example. If I'm good (laughs) at writing and, and, and my spouse is good at math, but I have to do half of the budget because that's 50, 50 and she has to do half of the, whatever we're writing letter writing because I like that. Yeah. Then what are we doing? Yeah. Quote our friend, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) What What are we doing? doing? 
right? Like, uh, and that's that's the thing that I think people are a little averse, or some people are a little averse to, and I think that that's the case with some of the clients you and I have both had. That there's a sort of negotiation and understanding that has to happen about like we're trying to bring value to our lives i'm i'm bringing value this way um i see you're bringing value this way and can we agree on on terms like that so that it's not a matter it's not a tit for tat thing yeah fork away you put the knife away you know what i mean dude what are you are you levitating <laughs> that's exactly it it's i bring value this way and you bring value this way. And can't we just agree that the value is balanced? Yeah. That's exactly it. That's it right there. Everybody who's having a problem with anything of balance or quality in their life needs to take note to that. Where is the value being brought? Even if the way it's coming in is not like T said, the tit for tat. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love when you do shit like that. <laughs> um. So this is like a hodgepodge of conversation that we're doing right now because there's so much that when we're on the phone. Hopefully this makes sense that if I make myself look like an idiot, I'll cut it. <laughs> but, um, um, I, you know, I, I'm a manager. I do interviews at, at my job. And God, who knows if I should be saying this. I get packets of resumes. Okay. And I, basically what I do is I scroll through to see do they have the basic qualifications for the job? And if so, I, I rank them as like, yes, basic or basic plus or uh, a really good find. Okay. I don't, what I usually do is I, I don't even look at the name, address, email address. I, I just go right down to the polls mm -hmm. because I don't care. And I don't want any of my, uh, you know, whatever you call them preconceptions based on yeah. oh, this girl has a name of someone I dated. Like I'll, I'll do that. And then at that point, I know who I want to interview. I don't need to, I don't really need it much more after I look at those bullets. And then I, I send those over and then I interview those people. And basically at, at that point, I I'm, I'm interviewing because I know you have the qualifications. So like the, my, my, my questions might sound like I'm asking about qualifications and, and also I asked only the exact same questions, the exact same way to every candidate. I don't change them from like person that. to person. And I, it's fascinating when you do that and you see different ways that people interpret a question that gives you insights that you might not have even seen before, you know? And so anyways, I, uh, I'll do that. And then really what I'm trying to get at is like, to put it bluntly, like, can you hang? Like, like, are you going to piss me off if you report to me? You know what I mean? Or, and like, if you're take 45 minutes to answer every, one question, right? There's something where that I'll take into consideration. It's not an automatic, you're out. But it's like, all right, it, it, you know, if it's incredibly engaging, then that, that's something I might need to work on. 
with them or something like that. But, and then, but then also like, do you have a sense of humor? Like, do you, um, does this person sit in a closet and, and only read about, think about, watch, or do things related to this profession? Um, that's not going to, there's a cultural aspect to my team and it has nothing to do with the worldly culture that you came from. It has to do with how you interact with people on a team. And, and that is universal. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are. The, if someone can think, write, and speak clearly and say what they mean, they're fucking dangerous. And I want that person on my team. I don't care where they came from. I don't care how old or how young they are. That's someone I want on my team. And that is a universal trait, right? That mm. is, is it, you, you can have that or not have that, sure, but it's not uh, necessarily, well, I guess I, uh, poverty, but, but by the time you're interviewing for a position like the one that I'm posting, you've had an opportunity to get good at that, right? Mm -hmm. And so my whole approach to it is, is looking at this individual as someone that I am having a professional relationship with. And none of the gender and, and, and race and, and, and sexual orientation, um, none of that has anything to do with having a professional relationship, mm -hmm. period, period. So I completely take it out of my process, right? Mm. And that is something that I went through and honed over time, how I do this process. I don't find myself saying, well, how many women are on my team? And, mm. and how many, because I don't have a team of all white men because I adopted this process. Mm -hmm. By focusing on that, you're, you're, you're now intentionally focusing on the thing that everyone's trying to say not to focus on. Which is the value you bring. Right. You know, what's the value that you bring? Not up, do I need to up the number of whatever people on my team? You're going about it all wrong. You're just paying into the problem again now. That's not going to fix anything. And people bring values in, in different ways. And I understand that particularly with like, Talking about, uh, you know, these these larger social issues that that people be willfully blind to the value that someone brings because mm -hmm. they have a bias against women, against trans, against people of color, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's another thing that needs to be addressed. That's another. Yeah, we're not looking at the human value. We're not looking at the value of somebody just because they're breathing. We're looking at them through whatever bullshit narrative that we are living our experience through. And I say bullshit, not that it's not valid, but it's bullshit. It's ours and ours individually. Mm -hmm. We can't project that fucking out there. So it's pouring value into and showing that to be the equality valuing that person in their journey, even if you don't understand it, because you understand they have value because they are free then. So we can go further into that. Look at the work of Ram Dass or, you know, any, uh, any sage that says like, you know, we are one and it's saying that is another you. Jesus would say that too, you know, like that is your brother. That is you. 
treat that person as you. Brahm Das would say you treat everybody as if that person is God in draft. You are another version of God. It's about going and honoring somebody, their journey, their choices, their views as theirs and them all being valid whether they are a positive or ours. what if you are pouring it into because you have value because you are here because you are important because i see you mm -hmm. you know namaste would be another way of saying exactly that or the or like the maya culture says and lakesh alakin which is i honor you i see the light in you and i honor it mm -hmm. someone in maya culture would say um in Lakash, and you would say, Alakin, can't we just agree that the value that we're bringing is bringing the balance? And like, gee, that's fucking poetic, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, because everything we do is like down to like our reptilian brain. We, we, we're motivated towards the things that we value. I mean, it's really, really, really fundamental to, to being a primate, never mind a human being. And and so can we just bring that into the fucking conversation? Yeah, no? man, <laughs> fuck yes, fuck yes. Can we just bring that into the conversation? It has to come back from black and white, right and wrong, good or bad, whatever it is, and bringing it back to the individual and seeing it through the lens of compassion and seeing it through the lens of our heart space, bringing this human factor back to something that we've made very inhuman, but it is all about the humanness and the feeling. Yep. There's a lot of being shut off to this, to our emotions, to our internal GPS is really what has caused the inequality in our, in our society. If we stopped trying to detach everybody from these things, there wouldn't be inequality because we wouldn't be detached from people. You would be so plugged in through your feelings that you couldn't watch somebody starve. You couldn't watch somebody not have a house. Like I was thinking, and I know that I might be going on a tangent, but I think it's important we go this way because this conversation yeah. was just supposed to go anywhere. But yeah, think about the, the Mega Millions or Powerball, whatever it was, it was over a billion dollars a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And one person won that, right? Yeah. One person won that. You could give... Like the fact that one person won a billion dollars and there are children starving. There are people who don't have clean water. There are people that are dying of very curable diseases. There is people making money off and people being sick. Like the fact that that's the world that we live in, that's the inequality we need to be fighting. Yeah. That's the fucking shit. You want to go 50-50? That's the shit we need to like be going well, in and, on. And add to that the fact that we know statistically there's a very, very high probability that winning that lottery is going to ruin that person's life. Statistically, we know this for a fact. It's not, they obviously don't put that information out there, but coming into a large unearned sum of money is usually pretty catastrophic for people. Fucking fact. Right? Yep. Because, um, oh, I'm going to sit on the beach and, and drink margaritas all day. Two weeks later, you're now an alcoholic. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right? Like, just to put a simple thing out. There's a guy who, and it's why him and his wife sold their businesses for like millions of dollars and they bought a sailboat and he's been, they sailed around the world and they like did that in their early 30s and she died of liver failure in her early 40s. And his message to everybody is don't think it's money that's going to yeah. make, you know. Also, that's I, I, I on article. I got to see if I can think this one up. It was about a guy who 
ran a, a medium-sized business, right? He had like, maybe it was a small business, actually. He had like um, 150 employees, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And he used to just put out surveys all the time and ask his employees stuff. He, he felt that he cared about what his employees thought, right? So one day he put out a survey about like, what is your main goal in your life right now? Like if there's one thing that you could achieve in your life right now, what would it be? And 80% of his employees said to own a home. Ah. To own my own home. And he was like, 80% of my employees can't afford to buy a home. And he was making like $13 million a year as, as CEO and president of the company. So he took his salary, essentially divided it by 150. And then based on with small differences for, for management and, and senior management, you know, you know, 20% or whatever, he distributed that so that he made the same as the managers that were under him. And then the people under that were a little bit less, but it, that 13 million a year went back into this workforce so that he was, he was employee too. And That's people were like, the analysts were saying, this company won't exist in a year, a year from now. And now they have like 350 employees and those people own homes now who didn't. And the, the sick days have gone down dramatically. The work output has increased dramatically. It was total, total kick in the nuts to all the analysts who said that guy's an idiot. And they were, they were doing even better. Like as of when I read the article, probably last year. What? Yeah, because they're being taken care of and that trickles out into your life. And when you're not struggling to pay your mortgage or put food on the table or to like better and have a better life, better quality life, it trickles into your livelihood at work, the passion, the intent that you put behind it. And you also feel seen and validated. That is a bravo CEO because you took that inequality of I'm making over 13 million and this person can't buy a home. You saw the injustice and you fixed the value in it. You saw right. the value of what that would do long-term and on a moral human level. He brought a black and white number situation to a human level. Yep, exactly. That's what I love about that. That's what's so inspiring about it. And if I can go like psychological a little bit and mm-hmm. take a look, uh, th- there's, a, there's a huge difference between the money that those people came into by the decision of that CEO and winning the lottery. Because one, for one, winning the lottery is a one-time event. Um, it's a large sum of money and it's not actually earned by doing anything. Right. And life, it's just patterns of, of <clears throat> states of being over time, right? So, so it's much more valuable to have income than one sum of money because you could you could blow out like a pretty large sum of money in a weekend if you wanted to. Oh you yeah. know and, and so then then where's the next bit coming from? So these people had this as their salary was increased. They were working for it. That and and any feelings of this amount of money, I don't I it feels like it's such a significant increase that I don't know if I'm earning it. The the production level 
increased significantly because people wanted to feel like they were earning that money. And they do. It's just so good. Positive effects of that compared to the negative things that can happen by stumbling into large uh, sums of money that and not earning it. It, it's, it's <clears throat> staggering. I could go yeah. on with yeah, examples no. about it, but you know what I mean? Sure. You were talking about your employees. What do you do to show that? Because I know you don't treat yourself as senior management, even though you are. Like, I mean, yeah. what I mean is you don't treat your employees or the people that you work with in any other way than you would treat the CEO or the janitor. I have always worked at being a good listener. And and in management, I feel that that's a very, very important characteristic. In fact, I would say that if you're a terrible listener, it, it's probably inseparable from being a terrible manager. So I worked at that. And so it's become easy for, for me to be a good listener. So from my perspective, from where I sit now, it's not that hard to hear what somebody's saying. And I don't mean the words that they're saying. I mean, what's behind them, mm-hmm. right? And like so- truly listening. Yes. And people, my employees will bring things to me all the time. So I don't know if this is be a good example, but someone brought something to me and said, I just found out about this process that I didn't know or, or, or this thing that was happening and the way we're handling it now, it seems really squashy and undefined. And I feel like it's a, a good opportunity to fix this. And what I heard was this creates problems for my employee and lots of other people. Right. And yeah. so I was like, that I need to make sure I validate this because it's not easy to bring problems to your manager sometimes that you've identified that we, that weren't there before. No one was worrying about it before, and now you're bringing it up. So I validated that and then went to the <clears throat> team meeting and I brought it up and there was conversation and then uh, about it with the team meeting. Oh, you know, so-and-so brought this up. Good point. What does everyone else think? And so then it, it comes out th- during the call that, well, there is a process for that. And it was made like six years ago and it's supposed to go through the people that are in these roles and, and do that. And it, it a little bit had that vibe of, this is a non-issue that that person shouldn't have brought up to you. Right. But I a little bit got defensive about that. It was invalidating my, the other person who reports to me, who did bring this up to me. And I was like, how many people on this call knew about this process and where to find it? And it was that one person. And so I was like, so we do have, so we do have a problem. No one even knows this process exists. Mm -hmm. And we have an opportunity to solve it. And people are going about this thinking that there isn't a way to, uh, a process to follow here and just hodgepodging through it and not knowing better and not knowing that they could ask and maybe get lucky and find someone who knew about the process because they were around that department eight years ago when it was made. 
So that was tremendous value that was, that was brought. And it's, and so I made sure that that was not invalidated and that it seemed that like, if you're bringing something up to me that you see as a problem, even if there is a process in place, there's still value and I still value you for bringing it to me because it, it just helped me to articulate what the problem was. Yeah. You opened up a container for conversation. And I think that that is what t sets you apart at senior management is having, yes, this process and procedures, but again, like we have to bring it down to that human level. There was a level of growth learning that you harnessed through that. And rather than being like, well, there's a process that you're a fucking idiot because everybody else was like, oh my God, we were waiting for that process too, but nobody wanted to say anything. So we didn't want to look like an idiot, you know? Yeah. Having that, you know, not being invalidated because there's a process and allowing yeah. that person to seem, feel seen and validated. That's so different than where I was in corporate America all those years ago. Yeah. Well, and people come and work in this field because they want to have an impact. So uh, I, it's good that I, <clears throat> that's nice and clean for me because there are a smaller subset of the population who want to go in to work and be, do something methodical. They want to run through a bullet list and then they, they a, a, and get it done. And the fact that nothing broke because of them is their reward and they don't want recognition, you know, and, and that's just not, you just wouldn't get into my line of work if that were the case, you want to have an impact. And so, as a manager, there's a certain amount of allowing that to happen and, and nurturing that, that you have to do. And if you don't, you're going to lose good people. Like, what is the value that they bring? Do you see it? Good. Do you tell them that you see it? Do you tell them exactly how you That's see it, it and, and why you value it? Yeah. I do that in, at my yearly reviews every year. and People are always like, they get choked up because... <laughs> You know, the work that I do and how I get, I get ser very serious about it. And then, and then when I do, but that's what that forums for when we yearly employee reviews is that's, yeah. and that is the appropriate forum to have conversations that would be awkward in any other context. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm talking about. My yearly review with somebody staring at my fucking tit. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's like, That's literally, like, and like, I wasn't like swanting them. Like I had ace bandages on, I had sports bras on, I wore turtlenecks, I wore high chested things. Like you can't hide that when they're like that. And I get it. Like, I totally get it. But have you literally never seen boobs before? So it was like, you're doing really great. Um, <clears throat> you know, like it wasn't about me bettering myself. It was like, you're doing really great. And then a 20 minute conversation of nothing while the guy stares at my chest. Yeah, that's so the reach of of negative things that come from that is is that, I that just, it bothers me michelle it just bothers me because because what uh, the way in which it invalidates you invalidates that and, and, and so them the, the company the and, so and then right right and you and, 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 and yeah, the the effect of not recognizing that and instead being a creep and then it, like, it's just I the ripple effect is horrendous horrendous it's still here yeah the kicker that that just solidified that like that 
you know, layoffs were coming and like all of that. And I knew that I wasn't on the round of layoffs. I knew that already, but I had already scheduled a breast reduction. So I had to go into the same boss that was doing this to me over three fucking years and say to him, I'm going to need three weeks off in February because I'm getting a breast reduction. He literally looked at me. was like, you need three weeks off and we ju- we're going to lay all these people off. And I was like, yeah, I can work from home. Like laptops weren't a big thing, but they were a thing. They weighed a shit ton and they still were there. But I also, there was something called a remote network that was very, relatively new and my computer to log into that computer. So I knew yeah. the job could get done is what I'm saying. When I tell you that I was, I had, was in charge of helping lay off literally almost the entire Eastern Seaboard of my management team. And then at afterwards, they laid me off and he fucking straight up looked at me and was like, this wasn't in writing. This was just saying they were dissolving positions. Straight up looked at me and was like, it's really too bad that you couldn't have waited on that surgery. It would have been better for all of us. And you're better to look at with them anyway. Mm-hmm. He said I was better to look at with them anyway, as he gave me my termination letter and a fucking severance package and said, you need to sign here or you lose the severance package. Yeah. Like it was fucking barbaric. Yeah. yeah. Going with you. So like that led on my whole life. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, and, that's and that's gross. So I I use that example. It's just so example. Oh man. But for what you did, like, but you don't see me on the other side being a feminist trying to say that all men are fucking pigs. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Like I I don't share that as like oh my god. I just share that as you you create a container for being seen. So if the person that's sitting next to you brings the value, you show them the value that you see and you empower them, not just critique all the things they need to fucking work on, empower right. them. This goes for any conversation. I always call what I do empowerment in motion. You want to go right. to somebody who's going to give you bad news, turn the fucking evening news on, go to a fucking fair. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to empower the fuck out of you. I'm going to see where you shine and the parts where you forgot where you shine. And we're going to do that. And that's what you do in the conversation. That's what you do with your employees. That's what we need to do for <laughs> equality. It's to be yeah. seen. It's to be empowered and loved for the parts of us that shine and reminded when we forget the ones that don't or that we have kicked mud on or whatever. It's empowering each other. That's where I see equality. That's yeah. really what I see. Like you said, bringing value. It's it's the empowerment. It's the rising up. It's the loving you as you are without needing to understand you or make my perspective right and yours wrong. And if well, and not and not and doing doing that actively and and demonstrating that and not like I'm not asking myself what's the value that that manager you had bringing because. He's burying and hiding and skirting around value that's already there. That problem needs to be fixed within that dude's head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, you're like in protective mode. Also, I am incredibly forgiving I'm, uh, uh, to the point where people have said it's a flaw Yeah. of mine. And there's just... There's very few things that it's hard, very hard for me to be forgiving about. Hurting someone else because of the pleasure of it, that's one, right? And another one is being reckless and willfully blind of the consequences of your recklessness and stupidity. 
mm-hmm. very guilty of that. And I've, right. and it's a, it, it, like serious amends have to happen before I can be forgiving of that sort of thing. You know what I mean? So the energetic weight that that's held has been equally a catalyst in my life as well. Because you got, I mean, you know, and I think anybody who's listening to the podcast knows that there's a level of trauma, especially when it comes from males in my life. And I didn't know any better because I had lined up with that. So I didn't know. Had I had a male boss that didn't, that didn't put that upon me, I would have known something different. I think most women would still resonate with that right now. Yeah. That like. And not just a male boss, any boss that sees their worth and isn't looking at their body, he's judging it. Their female does that too. Either make no mistake about that. Yep. So it's just, it's, it's rare, especially when you may be, you know, have different parts of your body that may be more voluptuous or maybe standing out more or may, you know, that goes for having a big nose, you know what I mean? Or beautiful eyes. Like, you know, it, it could be an, on any level of just putting your worth based on an asset that you, that, that person sees that you have and then sexualizing that asset was a little fucked up. But mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it can go so much deeper than that. Um, but I do appreciate you being like, oh, my God, you know, wanting to fight. But the other end, that was it was a catalyst because it helped me find my voice. I It helped me find my um not my sense of worth because I found that on my own, not through those experiences, but I would look back on those experiences and say, if I was being faced with one right now, and this would happen in like a millisecond, but all those other experiences of when I wish I used my voice and not to cuss them out, not to flip out, but to have an honest, raw conversation of what that will do to a woman Mm. and hopefully have a learning experience. That's what I try to draw upon. And it yeah. took years of having to go and review the fucking situation with seething anger and give myself that part before I saw the value that it would have added to my life and their life. So any situation I line up with that may have that that feeling flavor, I recall all of those parts and the one that we just talked about included. And I always say, like, what would what would younger Michelle have said? Yeah. You know, as you know, I'm I'm 90% sweet with this 10% that's like, oh my God, and that 10% is vicious. I would have been like, you know, you motherfucker, how dare you? And then also, let's have the conversation just so you could just see, like, I get it. Like, I don't think you're an evil person and you're only meant to weaponize and sexualize my body because that's the only way that you were allowed to look at me. And I just want you to know that I see that conditioning. I see that invalidation. I see that you are only allowed to look at the female body through the sexualized lens. And that is not your fault. But it is your fault for perpetuating that fucking narrative. And let's have that conversation is what I would have said. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now, uh, it, it, you can, if you can articulate and communicate well, it, you're, you're a fucking badass. You know what I mean? And going back to like... It, Someone who can articulate, well, I want them on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure. Well, that goes back to my last business class when I was getting my master's in business. I was like, do you guys want to know the secret best? We were all fucking here. So it was like, we were done. We were like, all had a degree. No more work done. I was like, literally last 10 minutes. He was like, great. If you can walk the walk, if you can articulate yourself well, you will be so good at what you do because you can open up communication. And that's all that it requires to do any job. Yep. And I'm like, awesome. So you could have just told me that like 60 grand ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's uh, getting, getting excellent at that is what that 60 grand should be. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, dude, it definitely was. I, yeah. 
I just take voice and diction. We have to be like, how now, Bronco? Like, yeah. Regulate yourself. Right. Some of my clients, especially my overseas ones or my international ones that have thick accents, I have to remind myself that I have a thick accent. Mm-hmm. So I will have such a distinct radio talking voice, a very enunciated, calm, slow, and a nice, even tone. Yeah. Totally different from what I am. People are like, wow, I had no idea you were from Boston. Meanwhile, when I'm comfortable, I'm like, what's up, guy? Like, total bot, you know? Yeah. Just so funny. Yeah, they trained us well. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, when I'm being a little cocky or facetious, I'll say, like, don't come at me with words because you're going to lose, right? <laughs> and so this guy, we were on a work call and he was looking for a waiver and said, well, you know, how many other applications have similar problems? And, you know, this is a hot button issue right now, but, you know, it's, it's not always going to be a hot button issue. So it's like, we're just giving me a hard time, you know, for mine when, when other people have this and, and, and this isn't going to be a big deal. This particular thing isn't going to be a big deal a while from now. And I was like, by that same logic, you could say like, well, when you look at the whole world, you know, 20 years from now, who's even going to give a shit? And you can't just decontextualize like that. Like we're looking at your system based on what we know right now. Don't, don't just change the perspective to, well, you know, when you look at everything all at once, like obviously the situation's going to change. Let's stay on track here. And I wanted to be like, don't, I, I wanted to throw that in so bad. Be like, don't start coming at me with words. <laughs> you know, you're like, try to know what you're talking about. Yeah. People. Oh my God, that's so funny. Don't come back with words. Yeah, that's like some like, amateur, you know, coming after like a real ninja with nutchucks. Like, that's like somebody who just started rapping, trying to fucking freestyle Eminem. Eminem, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. you don't even, don't even. really want to do this, dude. It's going to be like eight mile on steroids. Like, but if you're going to, the thing is, if you're going to say that, you, you got to deliver. Oh, like, yeah. Be, oh, you know, uh, I, I, Make sure that that you can process what people are saying and understand the framework of the conversation that you are having and, and, and what things should be allowed into that framework and what things shouldn't and understand what your point is and have five reasons backing up your point. Because <laughs> if you say that and you get rolled on, never say that again. <laughs> you're going like a classic style, which I think is so funny too. Right. And I understand the two frameworks within this framework. Yeah, right. And the outer frameworks that this framework is contained within. So go anywhere you want, pal. I'll go toe to toe with you all day. So this is Michelle editing. <laughs> and we need to put an end to this podcast sometime. So we went total off topic and there's no way to end this clean. So I just figured I would voice record and let you know that somebody's calling me. <laughs> of course, this is why I'm not allowed to edit. <laughs> hey, so uh, on that note, <clears throat> Good day. <laughs> mm-hmm.